Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the B&G writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left of Sanderson, the Orr! 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 Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is powered by BetOnline.ag and in partnership with the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. This is Season 6, Episode 263, and we kindly ask that you please subscribe to our weekly Bruins Hockey Talk on all worldwide audio podcast platforms and video content on our related Black and Gold Podcast YouTube channel. I'm your host, Mark Allred. I am all by myself today, but we do have uh, some good content coming Always Bruins related here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, we have a nice little round table, some really good friends, and some good hockey minds when it comes to Boston Bruins hockey. And talking about the news that's been going on around this organization lately as, you know, we come out of this uh, this two-week COVID Christmas break uh, to start the new year on, in a pretty decent fashion. I think this team has really done pretty well. So uh, we're going to have some really fantastic members on um, just shortly, but um, I do want to mention one more time, and, and I'm going to do this until this event happens, but the 
The Essex County Correctional Offices Association is playing an alumni game against the Bruins alumni, and that is at set on Saturday, September 12th, 2022, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., and the location is Essex Sports Center in on 15 Manning Road in Middleton, Massachusetts. Again, that is on Saturday, February 12th, 2022, Fantastic event. All proceeds go to Cadence Crusaders, a fantastic um, organization that does amazing things for um, uh, pediatric cancer uh, and finding a cure. So all good stuff. Uh, I highly encourage you event you, you attend and um, and please bring your kids. Uh, it's, it's a very kid friendly environment. So I uh, hope to see you there. Uh, and with that being said, let's hear from show sponsor, betonline.ag, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about who we're having on this round table. There might be less football being played, but betonline.ag has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scored, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is, is going to land, betonline.ag has the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. And it's not just football. BetOnline.ag has basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right now to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline.ag has your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. As mentioned previously, to start the show, we do have a few great Boston Bruins fans, writers, and podcasters that are joining us joining me for this uh, roundtable discussion on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast. And without further ado, why don't we get these guys in? Let's start off with Kevin O'Keefe from the Beehive Hockey Podcast on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Network. Kevin, what up, what up? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Welcome back, sir. I can't wait to talk some Bruins with you. Uh, from the Halts on Hockey Hockey Podcast on the Black and Gold Network as well, it is Cam Halt. Cam, how are we doing, sir? Good. Thank you for having me. First time on the uh, the roundtable and really excited. You should have said first time, long time. I was always <laughs> first like, time you... long. <laughs> I've, been long time, I, I've been a long time listener of the uh, of the podcast on the network. So this is a, a real honor to be here right now. Nice. All right. Come thank on, you. Cam, we got to get this in one take. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and last but not least, it is Chris Nosek. And he's not related to the um, Boston Bruins forward. And he is from JDF Sports, and he's got a great program over there on Monday nights with Kevin O'Keefe. And it's called What's Brewing, and you should be talk- you should be listening to that and uh, watching the live stream on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Chris Nosek, how are we doing, buddy? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Finally get to, to do a show with you. The first time, long time, former writer. Okay, <laughs> see, there we go. Now we got the first time, long time. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, like I said, we were just doing a basic roundtable discussion. Um, if you guys have anything to talk about, please don't hesitate to bring it to the table. Um, but um, I'm the host, so I'm going to start off right now. Um, thoughts on everything that's going on with Tuka Rask. There's a lot of people right now that are um, not happy with the way he's been playing. And one of the reasons why I wanted to start this conversation 
is why can't people figure out that he has a no movement clause and Providence is not an option? I'm so sick of answering DMs and all this crap because they like want to ship him to the moon. And I say, you can't. So Kevin O'Keefe, is there a problem here with Tuka Rask and, um, and what's going on? Right now, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. There's, I mean, Tuka, he, he has slow starts. He's notorious for it. I mean, not every year, obviously, but he's had a lot of slow starts. And coming off a torn, you know, labrum and having that hip surgery, there's going to be some rust that needs to be knocked off. Would we have liked that to be in Providence? Absolutely. Did it work out that way? No. So we're here now. So that's another thing. You mentioned you're sick of answering DMs about the no, you know, no movement clauses and that. I'm, I'm, I'm just sick and tired of people not living in the now. We're here now. Yes, would we have loved him to be in Providence for a little bit? Absolutely, but he's not. So we have to move forward where we're at, and I'm not worried. I think, you know, I, I wish he was getting a start tonight because we are recording here before the Arizona uh, Coyotes game tonight at 9 o'clock. I, I mean, I don't know. Is he going to get the Dallas game? He could. Cam, go ahead. I mean, I'm not worried about it at all, right? He had torn labrum surgery, and that's a pretty big – that's not like getting, like, some cartilage, like, removed or whatever. Like, that's a really big surgery. Um, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm agreeing with Kevin here. I'll be worried in April when it's coming playoffs and he still can't string together two or three good games. Um, but, I mean, the guy's coming off a major surgery. I expect him to have these rough games. And I think it's honestly good for him, too. I think he's just getting back into the groove. Um I mean, hell, we take a, a year off of podcasting. The first couple episodes are going to be pretty rough. So um, I'm not worried. I think he should have got the start against the Coyotes tonight, but th- that is what it is. I think Olmark's playing really good as the number one goaltender, and I think uh, you ride with him for as long as possible and give him the rest when he needs it. All right, Chris, how about yourself? Yeah, uh, kind of going to reiterate, I- I'm not – pushing the panic button just yet maybe two or three more starts like this and i'm hovering over the button but you know it just it's one of those things where he was supposed to get those starts in providence the the league is the one who you know canceled him off you had that home game stretch in there you wanted to try and get him a few he's played well against philly so it's a good opportunity to just kind of jump start things you didn't know where you were with him and the part that makes me worry the least is the fact that even Cassidy is coming out saying he's not where he needs to be. If they were, you know, kind of BSing it, being like, oh, yeah, we're not worried. We're not, you know, we're, we're seeing things that we like. No, they're flat out saying he's not there yet. So they're acknowledging it. It seems like he'll probably go to a one in three or one in four game kind of rotation. Really give that leadership number one mark to Allmark, who's earned it. And uh, there's absolutely no need to trade one of these three. Not yet. And, you know, wait, wait another two or three starts from Tuca. And let's face it, the Carolina game counted for nobody. And to, to go back on the Providence, um, the lack of Providence games, I know that all of us know here that the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms came down with the COVID pretty hard and they didn't even travel to uh, Providence to play the Providence Bruins when Tuca Rass was expected to get uh, one game on Friday and possibly the Sunday game with Lehigh Valley and those games got postponed obviously but I'm hearing from close sources in the Providence area that Tuca was not happy about uh his um his placement for a conditioning stint down in Providence and really uh pushed the button to uh work with the Boston Bruins organization 
and um, make that PTO very short term. I know I know there's lengths on PTOs and so on, but they're not full seasons. Uh, they're very. I think there's uh, you have to like twenty games or or forty days or something like that. I could be definitely wrong on the numbers, but I believe Tuka's camp was like, listen, why don't we make it just a couple of games and then we'll get going? But those games were were postponed, so he couldn't get in action, which basically closed the window on Tuka playing any AHL games down in Providence, which basically pushed the Boston Bruins into a corner and changed that American Hockey League-only PTO into an actual NHL contract. And then we uh, get him involved in the back-to-back uh, on the, la- the the back half of the of a back-to-back in the Philadelphia game. So, you know, it, that's what it is. There's a lot of people that are saying he needs more time down in Providence and so on and so on, but they don't understand that the, the terms that were on that PTO might have been in Tuca's favor and so on because, like I said, he wasn't too happy about going down for conditioning, which was a, a little shocking to me about a guy who hasn't played in – uh, 260 some odd days and, and and obviously coming off of a, a hip surgery to that extent I thought that AHL games would be would be prudent for him but it is what it is but it it just, it just sucks I think we're at a right time in the season where his insertion is okay because we can start to you know Bruce Cassidy said it too we're, we're in the middle of the season we're working on him we're going to get him more games and so on but he also obviously said today too in a uh, in a long uh, letter from Lauren Campbell from Nesson that, um, you know, Allmark's going to play because he's been the better goalie, but we're also going to insert Tuca when we need to. So Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like he's played absolutely horrible either. When I look at his starts, like Chris was saying, toss the Carolina game out, that game was bad for every single player on the ice. So you can't single out one person and say, oh, he's the culprit. He's just terrible. So I, I'm I'm throwing that game out. So when you look at his three other starts, he had, I think, his best start um, against Philly, which was his first one. And it, he played well. He had some big stops. He helped that team win, the game, uh, win that game. And then moving forward for the Winnipeg start, he had one shaky goal. And other than that, he was steady. He helped the team again win a game. The only game I look at is the is that one game against the Ducks. And for me, he let in some soft ones. He did. He, you know, especially that, I mean, I understand, you know, there was a, a on the PK, um, you know, Pasenak let up on the play and allowed for that positioning to get in there to get the shot on. T- well, not even a shot, more of a push. I call that a, it was like he pushed the stick in the puck. And for me, that needs to be saved. The way that went through Tuca's legs, that's just, I mean, that was god-awful. Um, so, yeah, he didn't look good in that game, but that doesn't mean that next game you should expect the same. So, uh, moving forward, I think people need to th- really throw that Carolina game out and look at the three starts he's he's had and see that he is 2-1 and one in those starts and, for the most part, has been good. I think when it comes like that province stint, right? Because he was practicing with the Bruins, uh, like rehabbing and everything. Like he was on the Warrior Ice Arena with all the Bruins, uh, not practicing, but he was just like getting extra reps in. So I think he probably felt comfortable getting reps from Bruins guys already where he was like, hey, I feel pretty good getting shots from NHL players. Why do I need to go down to the AHL? Where, yeah, he would probably put up great numbers, but he wasn't really going to be battle tested. 
I mean, there's obviously a disparity between NHL and AHL players for a reason. And I think Tuca felt that he was healthy enough and felt good enough where he could stay, stay on the NHL team or practice with them. Um, I think he had said, too, in one of his interviews where he was making moves. He's been making moves this year that last year hurt him because of his hip. Um, I forget what game. I think that might have been after the Philly game where they asked him how his hip was feeling. He said, I've been making moves this year that last year would have hurt my hip and I would have had pain doing. So I think it's, again, it's a time of rehab, and he's still he's still trying to get back in his groove. So, Go ahead, Chris, if you got something to add. No, nothing really. I think it's all been said. Um, I think the reasonable people who aren't jumping all over Tuca for every single goal that goes in know kind of what to expect and, and are level-headed about it. And then you're going to have the the overreactors that, you know, he could have a three-on-one that he gives up a goal and still somehow his fault, even though everybody else left the ice. Like, you know, people who have decided they're going to hate and blame Tuca for everything are already set in their ways. And it doesn't matter if he posts a 99.9 save percentage or a 50 save percentage. It's all his fault. Mm. And it's, it's funny. It's funny how some of those people have gravitated to hate towards Jeremy Swayman, too. It's a goaltending thing. I swear to God, people hate goalies. Wait, there's, there's Swayman hate going um, on? You've seen Facebook. Come on. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't looked that too far into it. I've been staying away. Is this recent? Yeah, it's like uh, within the past couple of weeks, it's like um, – uh, he's being called a sieve, this and that. He's too young. He's not ready. This, you know, it was just absolutely crazy. Well, see, that's why you sent him back to Providence because he wasn't fully ready. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, why, why is it all of a sudden a bad thing to have three NHL caliber goaltenders, one of whom can go back and forth between Providence and Boston at your whim? Exactly. Why is it a bad thing? It's because one of your goaltenders is Tuka Rask and the other one is Elmark and they hate both of them. And they only want Swayman because Swayman is the next is the second coming of Patrick Waugh. So apparently, you know, that's funny, which that is sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people are treating this kid like he's this, you know, top five elite goaltender in the league. He hasn't earned anything yet, in my opinion. Uh, do I think he's going to be a good goaltender? Absolutely. But he's got to earn and show me that he can be that elite top five guy that Tuka Rask is, who people are trying to throw away, even though he has the the tenure, he has the stats, he has the success. But because he hasn't won a team achievement of a Stanley Cup, that means he's a choker, he's horrible, throw him out. It's time for Jeremy Swayman because apparently he's the answer now. So I'm not and, looking and- Okay. Okay, Chris. I was going to say, and the hate for Olmark that originally started because he's not Swayman has now seemed to revert the other direction as well because we're not where we are without Linus Olmark. And everybody was quick to ship him off as soon as, you know, Rask signed his deal and, you know, whatever happened to Dan Vladar and and that whole trade. And and why not go in with Vladar and Swayman if you know Rask is coming back? You had, what, 16 starts between the two of them? You're not where you are if you have Swayman and Vladar to start. No, you're just not. Yes. <laughs> the um, you can uh, really, really uh, tip your hat, tap your stick, whatever, however you want to call it, to uh, Linus Allmark on the away record this Boston Bruins team has because basically he's won most of those games. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and that's probably why he's getting the nod tonight um, for his good good play in a tough loss against the Colorado Avalanche the other night. I thought that he was stellar in that game. And I thought that the the, um, the guys in front 
let off the gas at the wrong moment, way too late in the game, momentum change, however you want to call it. But he was still on top of what he had to do, even though that it wasn't, um, you know, a W at the end of the night. Oh, yeah. How can you fault, fault him on that tying goal, too? That cross crease was just set up so perfect. You know, no one even caught on to it. And, you know, I'll mark what it had to have made, like, the most unbelievable save ever. Desperation diving stick save to save that. Dominic-like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yes. so. What, but, you know, there are the people out there who, of course, will put it on Allmark. But I didn't see a lot of it, thankfully. I didn't see a lot of people, you know, going, oh, Allmark sucks. He's a choker, this and that. You know, I didn't see that. So that actually made me proud of the Boston Bruins fan base. But there were, you know, the people out there who were too far gone who, yeah, are <laughs> blaming Elmark. People are still holding it against Elmark that he turned it over in that preseason game. I swear to God that when that first <laughs> instance where he turned it over, ever since then, people have not liked Elmark. And I think he, his style is unorthodox. I'm not a goalie guy, but he's a big – isn't his nickname like the Swedish bear or something like that? He is just a big guy in net and it's really hard to get a puck past him. Even sometimes when he's out of position, he's just so big in net and he attacks the puck. And it's something that, uh, again, that's what a number one goalie should do. And I think he's kind of showing that and living up to the hype that finally he's that number one goaltender. And I love to see it. For me, I believe that the, the hate began with Olmach when the contract was signed. And the and the and the trade protection was added. I think that that was an instant trigger for a lot of people. That when they look at his Buffalo stats from the year previous or previous season before that, that they said that this guy doesn't have the numbers to be a Boston Bruin and so on. And ultimately, never gave him a chance to come out on the Garden Ice, come out in the black and gold wherever you are in the in the in North America playing a game and actually prove that he can be one of these goaltenders. And with a little time, guess what? I mean, it is halfway through the season, but guess what? We are seeing what we're seeing now. You have to give everybody, whether you have a job, whether you're a new parent or, or, or a hockey player in any sport or, or uh, an athlete in any sport, you have to have time to adjust to your certain situations. And people just don't have that time at all. It's instant, instant, instant all the time or you're trash. And I can't, I just, I, I can't stand that to be honest with you, that nobody can give anybody just a little bit of a, a you know, leeway to, to learn the system, you know, learn the, the locker room. It's baffling sometimes to be honest. And I think people seem to forget that uh, on a Buffalo team last year that had a total of 15 wins, yeah. he was responsible for nine of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> what does that tell you about how good he can be? The team had 15 wins. They were 15 and 34 and seven. And he got nine of those wins. I think he's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's so he's definitely good. You know, and you're right. The second that contract was signed, that's when the hate was there because they're like, uh-oh, this means Swayman's not the number one. Oh, but he should be the number one, this and that. And, and on top of that, the no movement clause and then the five million for four years, people were losing their mind. I saw people calling that elite goaltender money, and I just wanted to rip my hair out and punch myself in the face. I was like, are you serious? Do you even know anything about elite goaltender money? Because it's not $5 million for four years. Yeah, last time I checked, uh, Carey Price is making double that. Yeah, exactly. And like Bobrovsky. He's getting Bobrovsky's like he, he has 
10 years, seven, uh, no, 10, 10 million, seven years, which yeah. is just crazy. The legal tender money is twice what he's making. Exactly. He's making starter money. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because he's a starter. He has mm-hmm. proven that. He might so, even be better than the average starter. He's right. proven that. So what's the issue? There's There should be no issue, especially when your goaltending situation is for under the amount that Tuka Rask was making this time last year. Yep, right. But people want to trash Don Sweeney, but look what he did with your goaltending situation. You have three, three people who can be starters, three goaltenders who can be starters. Yes, Tuka Rask isn't there yet, but it doesn't mean he won't be. Allmark is there. Swayman was doing very well, but I honestly, in my opinion, I think Allmark – was the more consistent goaltender between him and Swayman. I think when it came down to it, Swayman had some better games. He had the shutout, but Allmark was more consistent. He was able to be in that zone and let in, you know, maybe two goals a game, sometimes three. And th- that stability was good for this team. And it's still it against the tougher competition too. Yeah. And their, and their numbers were also pretty comparable to plus or minus a little bit here and there, but it was it was pretty close for uh, a decent tandem. All right, let's get off the goaltending talk. We spent about twenty minutes on that. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, where are we going now? I mean, we could we could talk about the the game last um, against the Colorado Avalanche. If you want to talk about um, you know Taylor Hall, or do you want to talk about something else that you guys want to bring up? I leave it up to you guys. So here's what I'm thinking, right? We're playing the Arizona Coyotes tonight, and I mean, who does Kevin and I want on this team more than anyone from Arizona? Jacob Chikrin. I would love to see him be a Boston Bruin, and I'm going to sort of just put that out there. And I know his stats really aren't showing it. He's got like a minus 30. Um, and I know they're asking for a lot, like the Florida Panthers offered up Lundell, Spencer Knight in a first, and I don't think we really have anything to, to match that. But he's a guy where if you start to sort of put in, right, you put Grizzlick, McAvoy, Chikrin, and Carlo as your top four. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty elite top four pairing. And I don't know what we would give up. That's still something to sort of be figured out. But if you have that as a top four going into the playoffs, that's a pretty good top four that you can lean on to put on 20-plus minutes from all four of those guys. Um, yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you exactly what you give up. <clears throat> it's Jeremy Swayman. That's the yep. only thing that's going to get it done. Mm-hmm. Swayman, a first, and a couple other pieces, like probably Vakaninen and Debrusque, uh, Stanika or something like that. But it, it, it could be worth it, too. And let's not forget that that leaves your third pairing is Mike Riley and Derek Forbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I do want to put this out here. I am totally okay with trading Swayman in a Chitron deal. I'm totally okay. The only one. I may be in the minority on that, but I'm okay with it because I, I am. I'll push back a little bit and just say I'm on the fence on this because, yes, that addresses something that you need right now. Chikrin comes with a, a, a three extra years on his contract, which is awesome because you have him. It's not a rental and so on. That is a win now scenario. But if you make that deal, you might win now, but you might be suffering in net for a long time because there's nothing going on behind you. You'd have to start drafting and start developing. And I'm not saying it can't be done because Bob Asenza and Mike Dunham have done a fantastic job since those two guys paired up. And started working together while having uh, Asenza travel with the team. Dunham go- travels to where the prospects are and works with them on nutrition. How to act like a pro when you're not even there yet. You know, uh, you build up the expectations and your confidence 
when you're not even a pro yet. Those are the things that Mike Dunham does, and he does a fantastic job. And I, I, I just want—I know we're going off topic here a little bit. Oh, I am. But if Mike Dunham was around when when Malcolm Subban was a Boston Bruins goaltender, I don't think you'd see him uh, just given away to a, a team like the Vegas Golden Knights in the expansion draft. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, um, he wasn't an expanded draft. He was a um, he was a waiver, a waiver. Right. Yeah, they waived him. That's right. Um, I know you're a lot more involved with the prospect system. What's going on with Kyle Kaiser? Because I know originally they were pretty high on him, and he was projecting to do really well. So if if the thought is is well, we have Kaiser, then I'm much more willing to to deal Swayman. Yeah, uh, Kaiser's just. A work in progress continues to be. Um, this is uh, a better year than in the past when he's had some injuries and, and and concussion issues and so on. When he left the Oshawa Generals, the Ontario Hockey League, in his final year, he had two concussions that year and then came to be a professional and then automatically got one real early. Uh, so it's still a work in progress. Not great numbers down in Providence. Very athletic. I know if he can get it all together, uh, I think he could be a really good goalie, but... Um, I'm not sure if he's got our rights at all, but this is his last year under an entry level contract. So I don't know where we're going with this because if you go beyond uh, uh, Kaiser, you have Philip Spedevac, who's uh, playing in the USHL right now for the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and he's committed to Providence College next season. You know, it, it that. There's really nothing much there. What we do have right now is Troy Grosnick, who's a, a very suitable veteran who was signed as a free agent during the offseason uh, on a two-way deal, and he's been really outstanding. I'm actually surprised for a 32-year-old goaltender that he's doing a lot better than a prospect. But then again, you have to understand that it's the product in front of the goal that we're seeing the big changes and so on. The Providence Bruins have had an influx of uh, changes. Uh, Ryan Mujanel, uh, Trent Whitfield, and and um, and uh, I can't remember his last name. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, have, have done a very good job with these guys, it, it, not having a highly pro- um, ranked prospect pool. There's been changes. You know, there's, there's the taxi squad. This this roster is always getting picked from, so it's so hard to find out where players play and where they're best suited and where they can gain chemistry because at a moment's notice, you know that, hey, these guys are playing good for the last two games. We might, you know, win a call in the cup. And oh, here comes uh, Don Sweeney. We need somebody. I want to piggyback off of the Kaiser thing. I, I remember, Mark, you may remember too. It was me, you, and um, uh, Brett from the Beehive as well when we watched that prospect challenge game um, live. Yep. And we were so impressed with what Kyle Kaiser was able to do in that game. Um, from that moment on, I've been pretty high on him. I understand he's a work in progress for sure. But that that gives me just a little bit of confidence and in, in especially, like you said, with the goaltending coaches that we have, the tandem there, I have no doubt that the kid could probably get himself to a point where he is an NHL caliber goaltender. And even if he wasn't, we have Allmark for four years. He's 28 years old. He's right there in his prime, you know, as a goaltender. <clears throat> you know, in, in his after his four years, that doesn't have to be the end of his tenure in Boston. Say there's not, you know, a suitable replacement if Swayman were to be traded. Um, so I feel, and then you know, if you're bringing in Chitrin as well, yes, it's a win now move, absolutely. But he's 23. 
I know. Th- yeah. You know, that is that is for your future as well. And I, you know, with with I think the Bruins are pretty good when it comes to drafting the goaltenders. I feel like they they have a good head on their shoulders and they have the right tandem uh, in the coaching department to really bring the best out of all of those goaltenders. So I wouldn't be worried as far as that went. But the idea of having uh, a Chitrin and McAvoy pairing and then a Grizzly Carlo, that is a really, really good top four. That is something that you really could go into the playoffs with. And even if you had an injury, no, you can still compete. Like that is a really, really good uh, defensive corpse. Yeah, and if you're giving up four key pieces like that, a first um, Swayman, uh, another first round type talent like a you know Stadnicka or Vakaninen or someone like that at times two, you you're more than likely not only getting Chitrin back, you're probably going to get another piece, probably not a 24 year old Lawson Kraus with RFA rights, but probably someone like an Alex Galchenyuk who's having a down year can play all three, four positions for you, you know, good, solid middle six guy in the pinch of an injury, probably can throw him up on the top three Um, or, you know, even Phil Kessel. I mean, they're looking to deal some of these pieces. You probably can walk away with your, you know, your Taylor Hall and then also your Curtis Lazar type throw in piece. You could, if say the, if say the package was a first Swayman, DeBrusque and like Vakaninen, I could totally see there be another smaller type player thrown in. Yeah, um, you got Dingle and Galchenyuk, both who are veterans, both under the age of 30. They, you know, rental players. Well, who do they have for right defensemen? Sorry. He just want to keep stacking the D, don't you? I know. Well, he's not a defenseman, actually. Who do they have for right defensemen, though? Uh, Strawman, who's uh, on a expiring contract, actually, 35 years old. Modified no trade clause, only 5.5. Might be able to get him retain some of that. And Goligoski, maybe? Is is he still on? No, he, he's on Minnesota now, I believe. Okay, okay. Isn't he? Goligoski. I so. Yeah, yeah I, believe, I so. believe that's where he went. But for me, it, the reason why I say defense is because when I look to last season and I see what happened to this team in the playoffs you know, during that Islanders series, the second Carlo went down, Defense was in shambles. So Mm -hmm. I'm all about that depth for that defense right now because a lot of people are focused on the offense. Rightfully so. I mean, yeah, of course you want to upgrade anywhere you can, but that first upgrade for me comes on the back end. Kind of that reminded me of, um, I don't remember what year it was. Remember when Krejci went down, we were up three. Oh, Oh, yeah. Kind of reminded me of that, but it's just different forward and defense. But still, it was just that feeling like, Oh mm-hmm. man, I wish that guy was still in the, involved. And that was Rask's fault anyway. So, well, of, course. <laughs> of course. But I mean, like in in regards to having like a top four, right? You look at Tampa Bay; they have Hedman, Sergachev, McDonough, and Chernak. Right? Those are four guys that, when it becomes crunch time, they only roll those four guys. I think we have three guys that we can play, like lean on heavily. Uh, Riley sometimes can play well, but once against a physical team, he kind of kind of drops down a little bit if, if, if we're playing up against a faster team forbert really can't keep up with them so if you add in that fourth guy right you can lean on those guys put them 22 23 minutes a game um and they can just be locked down defenses for you guys both offensively and defensively and yeah. again and even with right we trade swimming away and then now chicken now becomes that part of that new core with pasanak mcavoy carlo 
And then you have those three years left on Allmark's contract to maybe find a substitute goalie or um, kind of grab a Halak-like goaltender to just ride out those three years. Yeah. For me, Swayman's not untouchable. He's not Patrick Waugh. He's not this. Even Waugh got dealt, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If Wayne Gretzky can be traded, the great, the great one can be traded. Jeremy Swayman can be traded. And yeah. that's the only, but the, uh, that's not me saying I want to trade Swayman. Like, I, like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, pushing this guy out the door. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I like Swayman. Well, I think he's going to be a good goaltender, but this is the type of deal I'd do it for. This hockey trade, a true hockey trade. Yeah. My only concern on something like that is are we watching the development of Erhovac and Einen turning into something like that, that top four defenseman? You not also like have, not the same as Chitrin, but. You're, if you already have a solution in-house, why give up Swayman to try and find the solution that you might already have? And it's a contract year for Urho, so it's it's a lot of uh, evaluations going on uh, to retain his services, which ultimately I would. You know, what we're seeing so far this year, I would definitely buy into another two-year deal, much like Zaboral and what he got. Mm-hmm. And look what, we, look what we had with him before he went down with an injury. Now, Zaboral needs, a, I, I believe, needs a deal. Uh, this summer too so i would want to retain him if he doesn't have one more year left already but um it, it, oh man it, it hurts so bad this defense when zaboro went down and that's so funny to say because nobody was talking about zaboro last year or the year before that or year, the year before that all they were doing was bitching about the 2015 draft when they when they brought up his name but still it's just like now we're seeing him but also we're seeing something else in the path here and i know you guys understand this that Maybe fans are now realizing that we don't need to get players that have first-round picks into the NHL as soon as they leave the podium. I think that a lot of people are starting to realize that maybe stewing in the AHL, learning the system a little bit more, especially defensemen and goaltenders. Like, for instance, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Fabian Lysel, I believe, might stay one more season in the Western Hockey League with the with the Vancouver Giants, and then play a, a full year in the American Hockey League before he hits the NHL. There's nothing wrong with that. And when I mention that to so many people, it's like, well, he's a first round pick. Why are you why are you keeping him in the AHL? You're going to ruin his career. You're going to ruin his confidence by bringing him down. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it it it's maddening sometimes. But that's what you need to do to build confidence in a player you have trust in them i think the rushing issue is is very confusing on both ends to the player who wants to be a pro and that's why he's been working his whole freaking ass for but the organization saying is the kid really ready yeah and there's also a difference between being a first round pick and a top 10 pick yeah exactly (laughs) let's not forget lysel was 21 overall you know, Beecher was 30th overall. These are late, almost second round draft yeah. picks that have fallen in the first round for a reason. Even back in Einan, who was 18th overall, you know, so far since, you know, even 2015, you know, the, the person who's elevated the most, the quickest has been McAvoy and he was 14th overall. You know, it, you're not exactly picking first and second overall players like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or Patrick Line or guys like that who, you know, they're there. That's why they're getting picked first, second, and third. And I think people almost get conf- like maybe this might not be a factor, but hockey is way different than any other sport, right? You look at football. Every first round draft pick put, 
plays a first round uh, first year in the NFL. Same with basketball, same with baseball. Like hockey is just a totally different sport where you have to develop them for years to come. So I think a lot of times some people look, oh, Mac Jones was the 18th pick in the first round. Then why isn't Fabian Lizell playing in his first year with the Bruins? That may be true, but I think that pe- hockey players develop just at a different rate. You can't just jump right in because guys are stronger and faster, right? Like Lizell going in the corner with Forbert, he'd get killed. Yeah. He, he would get absolutely killed. So he has to develop that in tight game to get stronger, get faster, um, to be and be, be able to play at the NHL level. Yeah, and he's getting that experience in the double. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, yeah. I, I watched I've a seen lot of games. He looks awesome. I watch, I watch a lot of games because the Bruins are on at 7 o'clock most nights on, on regular time when we're not out west. And that's like a great point at the end of that is to switch to uh, CHL Live and watch a watch a dub game with him in it. It's 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 fun to watch because he's, he's a little pest, you know, and you love to see that. But I think that's, that's why a player like that went out there is because he's a Swedish player. Everybody harps on the, oh, it's another PJ Axelson soft uh, Euro. And I hate that narrative, but I think that that's kind of what the organization looks at and says, yeah, the ice is open out there overseas. The game's a lot of, it's more offensive. And the smaller rinks here, the 200 by 85, things happen in seconds. But it's so good that the team is thinking about that and say, maybe you should go to the smaller ice rink in the WHL where things are going to come at you hard and heavy and learn that there and then bring that to the AHL level and its progression to the NHL is just going to be that much better. He's just going to have so much more in his tool bag than just a one-dimensional forward that just goes north and south with the puck all the time, and he's fast. I mean, we can get that here in North America. No, And, Cam, you mentioned it as far as being ready physically. I mean, another first-round pick from 2015 in Zach Sinitian, he got a couple call-ups, and – you know, within two games, you know, you had the the shoulder injury, the elbow injury, the the knee injury. What does that do for his development? Now he's sitting here, you know, playing well in Providence and asking to to get moved. That doesn't help you. Which I hear is still going to happen. I'm I was way off on the time. Yeah, that was the rough one. But I, I hear that's still in the works. Uh, even Elliot Friedman said something about that the other day or the the one of the last podcasts last week. Is St. Louis is very interested in trading something for uh, late round, so that kind of hint, hinted me that that still might be involved. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure you'd get much more than that late round. I mean, maybe right. a third at most if you're really selling high. Someone gets hurt, you can might be able to get a conditional third at this point for him. Oh, I was thinking even higher, and I'm also hearing that they want they don't even want him in the NHL. They want him to start off in the in the American Hockey League with the Springfield Thunderbirds which you'd see the Providence Bruins another five times, seven times, you know, but they, they want to do the same thing. He has arbitration rights as well, and they want him to prove it. You know, they want to prove it in the AHL. If you want to spot in the NHL and you've got those arb rights, you just have to show that you are at that value right now. And I know exactly that that, that is what Kevin O'Keefe over here constantly thinks about when he's talking about Jake DeBrusque. It's not easy to freaking to do with those those arb rights uh, and 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 DeBras four point what one million is I it four point one? I think the number now is four point four. I've heard fifteen thousand different numbers. <laughs> they all range between four and five. Okay, but I think four point four is the newest one. But you see what I'm talking about, though. Even still, four is too much for what you've seen from DeBras. Like to just give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, and he has. 
he has played a lot better this year, which is great, but not $4 million worth of better. Kind of going back to Seneshin, right? Like, if you can get a fourth-round draft pick for him, that's awesome, right? Again, like, he had his chances, probably not as many as he would have liked or some people would have liked in Boston. But, right, Jeremy Swayman was drafted in the fourth round. You yeah. Then, if, if you get a pick, a fourth or fifth-round pick, you then get a chance to take a gamble on some kid that you might be able to – that might be – be able to play with you in a few years, right? You're not going to get a guaranteed first round, second round pick, but you get another shot at gambling and taking a, a chance on a kid that's younger. Your fifth, your your fifth round pick was used to pick Kirill the Thrill. So, yeah. you know, Ooh. so there's something. Well, let's not mention that one. More jabs. <laughs> It's like the well, nice. No, no, that's, that's not a jab for me because I understand how it works. It's, in my opinion, I highly doubt the Bruins were going to were like, oh man, we were going to pick him. Like, yeah. you know, I, I highly doubt that. They're probably going to pick John Smith from, you know, this place. Like, I don't think they were going to, they had him on the radar. Like, you know what? Going into this draft, we are getting Kirill Kaprizov with our fifth round pick. Oh wait, now we can't do that because we traded it. No, that. Yeah. So I people will probably say that like, oh, you lost that deal. Look what you did. We got Coil and we could have had Kaprizov. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. Maybe we would have had him. Maybe, but I doubt it. That yeah. was the that was the jab that I was talking about. I wasn't saying physically you between somebody <laughs> else here. It was yeah, a, it was like oh shit, we could have had that guy jab. That's why I had to explain <laughs> it because that's literally how people act. Be- before we take our mid show break, I want to throw this out to you because it's very intriguing to me, and I'm kind of wrapping my freaking head around trying to figure out an article to write about it. But two players this season thus far have asked for trades, right? right. Why is it I'm hearing that one that's not in the NHL is probably going to get his way, but the other one that's playing in the NHL right now and has, um, let's say, 10 times more value than Sinitian right now is still on the roster and not talked about being moved. We We do know that there's talks, but how come it's been so long since anything has happened? I I think that seems strange at all. I think it's more about need and availability. Right now, you need Jake DeBrusque in your lineup. If you pull him out with the injuries that you've had, Bleed recently went down, Felino keeps going down, you know, you've just moved Eric Halla into that 2C role. I'm not ready to move him out of that. I'm not breaking that lineup at all. Uh, you know, you don't have much on the left side right now with Frederick still out on IR. Maybe once he gets back, if he can find a consistent form, then you can really look to to move to Brusque. But I mean, at this point, what are you going to do? Call up, you know, one of your other AHL guys like Lauko or or someone else, you know, Hughes, see what they have and then maybe ship him out. I mean, he's playing well enough. He's filling the hole. You know, Sinitian's in the minor leagues. If you move on from them, then someone else gets to the chance to develop and, and move on in their game. So it's a lot easier to say goodbye to someone who's not contributing at the NHL level. That's a valid point. Yeah. In, in my opinion, I think it's because there's still time. There's still about two months before this deadline comes. And I think, you know, Sweeney may have some, bo- some uh, back pocket deals, like a pick type trade where you trade DeBrusque out for a pick, cap relief, whatever. Um, And he doesn't want to make that type of deal right yet because of what Chris is saying, as you don't have a ton of depth on that left side right now to really fill in for what DeBrusque is doing for you on that third line. And he's working well with Coyle, which is great. Um, 
So he may be looking for the best hockey deal he can possibly make with DeBrusque. I think right now he might be hoping and praying because as far as we know, he is in on Chitron. So is he hoping he can use DeBrusque as a sweetener in a deal like that? Probably. Um, you know, but then there's some other stuff out there about how he may, he may go for a pick to a place like Minnesota or, um, Chicago. So he might, he might have some things, you know, lined up, but we're not going to know until we see it. And hopefully whenever that is and whatever it is, it's good for this team. The irony is in this case, the money on his contract, that three point, whatever million might actually be working in your favor because you can include him as a piece to make money work in a bigger deal. Yeah. Anything to add, Cam, before we take a break? No, I, I, I just think with Seneshin, right, he's kind of going to be put in the back burner. I mean, he's an AHL guy. There's not, there's probably no reason for uh, Sweeney to just, like, start throwing him out in the league. Like, yeah, do you want this guy? Because he, he's an AHL guy. Like, it's just how it is, and it sucks. But he's an AHL guy. Not many people are just going to be biting for the one NHL uh, AHL guy. So – I think that might just be like, oh, like the day before the deadline. Okay, we can just get a fourth round pick for him. Might as well. Yeah, and I don't blame the scouts on on his pick on on that at all. No, I think that um, when he was uh, being scouted it, with the Oshawa Generals uh, and scoring twenty six goals as a fourth liner, and then hitting the forty mark twice as a higher, you know, more trust in that player. I think that that was a very good good thing to pick. And and I heard even Scotty Bowman, you guys know him, right, mm-hmm. was saying in Buffalo when he was at the Prospect Challenge, because I think Stan was there doing some kind of that piece of shit. Um, he was doing some kind of scouting or, or, or doing something. And, and uh, somebody, one of my colleagues back in the day, another piece of shit actually, um, uh mentioned to Scotty Bowman, he's like, yeah, he's like, that's uh, Zach Sinishin. He's like, oh, that's, that's a great pick right there. Good kid. I was going to say, I haven't spoken to him and, and interviewed him a few times on JDS Sports. I mean, he's got the right mindset. He's got the right desire, willingness to work, professional attitude. It, it's not an off-ice issue with him. And to say it's an on-ice issue really doesn't do it justice. It's just more so look at also who's in front of him. Mm-hmm. So watch him the right wing. It's the same reason why you lost guys like Koklachev and, you know, Forsbaka Carlson overseas because they saw what was in front of them at center and they said, I don't want to wait that long. I'm ready yeah. sooner. And hopefully when we get back from this break, um, th- there isn't a zoo above my head. Every <laughs> single time my niece comes over, it turns into a, an elephants. Just <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, we'll take a break. We'll hear from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some fantastic stuff, guys. If you want to spice up your fan cave, go to this guy. Hand-signed jerseys, fully stitched. Do I have one? Yes, I do. We're giving this bad boy away. It's a Donnie Marcotte hand-signed jersey, 7072 in script right there. Fully authenticated from JSA, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, folks. Bruce Sullivan will tell you totally about everything that he's got in his inventory right now and the sales that are going on. So we'll be right back on the other side, guys. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. On January 30th, we have a private signing with Miracle on Ice 1980 Olympic hockey legend and former Bruin Dave Silk. We will have Team USA jerseys, pucks, and photos. 
On February 21st, we host Big Bad Bruin and Shoe Fight veteran Mike Milbury. And on February 26th, we have Reggie Lemelin and Johnny Busick. Exclusive jerseys, pucks, and photos will be available to Bruins fans. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we're back on this round table Boston Bruins hockey talk with some fantastic folks. We got the Beehive Hockey Podcast, Kevin O'Keefe here. We got the Hults on Hockey Podcast, Cam Hull, and we got Chris Nosek down here from uh, JDF Sports. Go check them out. They're all great people. Follow, follow, follow. Never stop following this content train that all of us have because it's amazing stuff, and I love working with these guys. But I also love working with Bruce Sullivan. And don't forget to buy some stuff from him to spice up the fan cave because, you know, the Patriots, the, the Red Sox, the, the Celtics, you need more friggin' Bruins in your life. Black and gold, that whole damn room, folks. But talk to Bruce Sullivan while you do that because he's got some awesome stuff. Um, and like I said before, we have a jersey to give away. Check it out. Uh, black and gold uh, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast will get you in and eligible for one dollar per episode very cheap investment to get that fan cave spiced up all right we're back we're talking boston bruins um i don't know where we're going here but somebody's gonna bring up a topic i guarantee it yep got any crazy trade ideas well so chris got me thinking before we before we left off right how debrus contract right could be used for to get a larger a larger player right a, a sort of a big name player and one thing that sort of popped into mind right it's gonna sound crazy and he hasn't really asked for a trade yet but Claude Giroux right I, I know Claude Giroux says he's got he's got one year left and the Flyers GM literally said the other day that if he wants to trade they'll trade him because they want to send him off uh he because he, he wants to win and so I'm thinking right he's a one-year rental imagine having Giroux and Bergeron as your down the middle in your top two, right? They're both top three in face-off percentage right now in the league. Bergeron at one, Giroux at three. They're both over 60%. Um, it would probably take a lot for that to work, but I, I just can't imagine playing up against Bergeron and Giroux. Like, you, you'll never win a face-off against those guys. And it's just something that you think about that, like, again, depth going into the playoffs. You have a line of Hall, Giroux, and Posenak. Like, that's a – I mean, I think that would be – a, a great guy to target if he becomes available and asks for a trade. So for me, the assets it's going to take to get that guy, even on a one-year rental, mm-hmm. I'm out. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's going to be a lot, and that's kind of where the decision has to be made: is it a win now, or is it prep for a two or three years? Which I think Chikrin is either a, is a win now and win in two to three years. I think Giroux is solely a win this year move. The, the difference for me, the way I look at the Chitron deal, though, is watching how Don Sweeney has re-signed players, I have no doubt in my mind that over the next three years, he can sweet-talk Chitron into another some sort of, you know, if you can get him re-signed in four years at like seven or eight, nine million bucks, and you have him with McAvoy, Carlos still under his contract, mm-hmm. you have some other guys, that gives you four more years to draft and develop guys, you'll be all right. Right. It, yeah. it's worth giving up the extra assets to get Chitrin 
I, I agree with Kevin, though, where getting a guy like Giroux, the price, I'd be in on anybody. Just tell me what the price is before I say I'm jumping out. Right. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not too thrilled about giving uh, a first round pick to a rental on no. a Boston Bruins organization that desperately needs to replenish this prospect pool. Well, and that's where I say for Chitrin, I'm throwing in the first round pick because you're basically going to use that pick on a 23 year old defenseman who's already been in the league for a few years. You know what you're getting. It's better and more ready. It's that first round pick that everybody wants you to have who's NHL ready. You're using it for Chitrin is essentially what it is. Right. Right. You know, and there's a risk too. I mean, because we don't know where this Boston Bruins team is going to be picking in the 2022 draft. We don't, we don't know that yet. For all we know, they could be picking dead last. You never know. Um, that's what we're all hoping for, of course. Um, so to take a risk like that and put it into a guy like Chitrin, who is 23 and who is, you know, signed for another three years at a $4.1 million cap hit, which is outstanding for what he can give you. That guy can give you 20 goals on the blue line. Easy. I know he hasn't been doing it with Arizona, but who does anything with Arizona? Arizona is, is, doesn't even do anything with Arizona. They need to be just out of there. You know what Arizona's done to a defenseman like Jacob Chikrin? It's a minus 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a stat that needs to stop being such a hindering on, on the idea of getting him to Boston. Um, it's it's so useless. Do not freaking use that in, in trade talks, please, because that minus could change to a plus on a different structured team and a different team that is has aspirations to win and not dump anything like they have been the past two years to try to even – this is a team that can't even meet the cap floor. It's like, come on, man, you know? Uh, he just yeah. – he deserves better, and so does Lawson Krause, just saying. Yeah, and to your point about the plus-minus, it, it can be manipulated however you want. I mean, think about Taylor Hall last year. I know Kevin and I talked about this on Monday show. In Buffalo, in 37 games, he was a minus 21. You ship him over to Boston for 16 games, he's a plus 15. That, that is the night and day difference between a crap-run organization and a franchise that knows what the hell they're doing. One of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite things to do to people is when they talk about plus-minus, it's like, you know who has the worst plus-minus? Your goaltender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no but they don't count that stat. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I just throw it in there to just be a dink sometimes. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, and, and that's He's exactly on the ice. Why. He's right. on the ice. And that's why I didn't mention the plus minus because I look at that minus 34 and that's nothing to me. Look who he's playing for. I mean, that team got absolutely gutted and they're going to continue to gut it. I mean, oh, Kessel's yeah. going to be gone. I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at moving Clayton Keller. Um, that team's going to continue to get gutted and Chitron does not want to be the last one off of that train. Nope. He, he, he needs, he needs out of there. And, um, you know, in Kraus, I feel bad for him because from what I heard on, I believe it was the 32 Thoughts podcast. I heard the same thing. Is that Lawson Kraus is their only untouchable. Yeah. Which makes, why wouldn't Chitrin be that? I know. Yeah. I think because you can actually get something for Chitrin. Kraus, what you'd get for him, it, you'll, you'll get a good amount, but not nearly what you would get for Chitrin. You can ask for four pieces for Chitrin. For Kraus, you're probably asking for two and a kind of a B level. You'd rather go for four potential home run hits. At least that's Good my point. Point. 
so like when I look at the minus he's a minus thirty one right now, that means he's playing a lot of ice time. It'd be really concerning if you're like a minus six on that team because that mean that means you're not getting a lot of ice time. He's out there playing against the top lines every single week and they're getting scored on all the time. So that just means that if he's on a the same minutes, it's gonna be probably a plus twenty, plus twenty five. So I'm not even worried about the plus minus. I, I know what he can bring to the table. Um, and then when it comes to probably trading the first round draft pick for Chikrin, it's probably 2023 because they have three first round draft picks in the 2022. Ouch. It's, they have so many first round draft picks. So it's pro- they're probably going to be asked for a 2023, which I think is probably smart on their end because why do you need four first round draft picks? That's, that's, that's a valid point. That's a yeah. very valid point, even though I could barely understand you, brother. <laughs> yeah. Your internet's coming in and out. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's okay, buddy. We do we do appreciate robot cam help coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one yeah. other thing on the on the plus minus too, real quick. Uh, you know, Phil Kessel, who's got almost almost nine hundred and he's got nine hundred and thirty one points in his career. He's a career minus one thirty five. <clears throat> that just goes to I mean, he was minus eighty in Toronto during his time in Toronto. He was a minus eighty player. Even though he scored almost 400 points, he also like, never made it out of the first round in Toronto. Yeah, well, that's been <laughs> Toronto for how many years? <laughs> All right, where are we going now, folks? We got about another half an hour. I'm, I'm I'm happy with this team. There's a lot of people who are freaking out right now. They're thinking, you know, oh, they got pummeled by Carolina. Oh, they lost to Colorado. It's like that's okay. That's okay, because first off, the Carolina game, like we've said a million times, burn the tape. I don't foresee that happening in the middle of February when they re- when they play uh, Carolina again. I don't I don't foresee that type of thumping happening. And then you know you gave that game away to Colorado, even though they kind of threw away a period and a half chasing around Taylor Hall. I mean, yeah. that's one thing that oh, yeah. I mean. When I was watching the game, I was sitting there saying, are they really going to lose this game because they want to fight Taylor Hall, a guy who has probably no business fighting anyone, really? And, and, and landed a clean hit. Right. It I mean, was clean, though. The stick just happened to be in a bad spot. Exactly. You got to answer for that. Relax, dude. Like, yeah. how about you answer on the scoreboard, you know? But well, that did. put us up on a five-on-three, which gave us a three-to-one lead with two power play goals. And you're looking at the game like, holy crap, going into the second period, it was a one nothing game, you know, and now you have DeBrusque with that five on five uh, breakaway goal, uh, not breakaway, two on one goal, which he chose to shoot. And I was very, very happy about that because the Bruins notoriously are so easy to read (laughs) because they're always looking for that cross crease pass. Yeah. And DeBrusque was like, you know what? No. And shot that puck and beautiful one, one game. And then, you know, just chasing around, Taylor Hall and trying to get him to do this, do that. And that is a kudos to Taylor Hall for not biting on that and being able to draw those penalties for this team. And then the team capitalizes on them. You're up three, one. Wow. Hell of a veteran right there. You have your foot on their neck. And what do you do in the third? And you let them climb right back into the game. That sucks. But at least you still got a point out of that game. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with that, but I'm not the type of person who's going to sit here and think to myself, oh, this means that they can't beat elite teams, this and that. You just beat Tampa. Uh, you just beat um, Washington, who is mm-hmm. still a very good team. And you came from behind in that game, too, by multiple goals. Yeah. 
That was the perfect bounce back game that we needed to see from Carolina. That's why I'm not worried about the Carolina game because of what I saw two days later against Washington. Right. They responded the way you needed them to. Hey, I want to I want to touch on something before I lose it. But you, um, Kevin was talking about the lineup and how it's doing right now. I I would say pretty much all of us when we saw what, who they picked up and so on, it was like an interesting. It's like okay, let's see how it works and so on. And when the season started and it's been, you know, chemistry started to get a little built and so on. And this is, by the way, before Bruce Cassidy and coaching staff tore it apart and put something different together. I didn't, I honestly questioned Don Sweeney as like, where are we going here? But I wasn't hateful about it. But then obviously the COVID uh, Christmas, um, you know, break happened and so on which was a, obviously a, not a good thing for many folks that are going through this bullshit. But for the Boston Bruins players that had adequate time to rest and be with their families and so on and come back, that's the type of lineup I saw when I was like, huh, this could be something special because it's not – the Boston Bruins didn't go after just one player to address a certain need. They went after multiple assets because they're versatile. You know, and and I think that that's what we're seeing now. I'm seeing that versatility being applied here into a Boston Bruins lineup that a lot of people were clamming for. I know that guy was. <laughs> I know that guy was big time. I got to give him kudos on the whole Hall of Thing and 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 Pasternak down to the second line. I, I mean, sorry, Elliot Freeman, but watch over that guy. <laughs> you know, if if Bruce just did that at the beginning of the season, who knows where this team would be right now? It's crazy. We you certainly know, wouldn't be in fourth place. In Arizona, if you're looking for some help, my number, I can give you my phone number. You, can, you know, you, if you want, I'll coach your team. No problem. I'll, I'll think I'll think of some good lines for you. Well, I can't that tire pumping, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Thank you. I mean, I kind of said it on uh, on our podcast last year when Hall came over, right? Like he comes over now, he's not the number one guy on the team. He can kind of be that second line guy. He's not going up against the first pair of defense every night. But now I think now he's sort of felt comfortable in Boston. Now he wants to be that guy again. And what better way than play with Pasta, right? Both him are elite talent players, and now they can sort of feed off each other. And now Hall's getting his mojo back, and now he feels like, hey, I want to be that that elite talent player that I know he can be to kind of when he was, when he won, what year was it when he had the 90 points with New Jersey? Was that 2018, 2019? Was that I think it was 17, 18. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the sort of level of play that he wants to get back to. And he wasn't going to do that without pasta. I, I, I really don't think so. so. I think he's finding his mojo. And I think that this move to pasta, the second line was, was great for him and also great for the rest of the lineup. Real quick, Andrew. I mean, sorry. Uh, real quick, uh, quick, Chris. Uh, I just want to put, say this real quick. Mark, you remember in the beginning of the season when Andrew Taverna was talking about, oh, Hall's hitting a hundred points. Hall's hitting a hundred points. This and that. If he had Pasternak from the beginning of the year and preseason, mm. I might be on board with that. Wow, that's interesting. That is interesting. And one thing I like about the whole Pasternak thing and Eric Hall is they all can work together in speed. Like it's not like Krejci who who can drive a play up the middle, but at a slower pace, mm. more or less the trailer type of guy that would 
um, you know, accept the puck at the blue line, but dish it off real quick to the half wall and try to get it behind the net or in front of the net and so on and work his magic like that. I like Halla because he works with the speed and the flow of the game and can be creative. But another thing I really like about that, and I think that you're right, Kevin, if this was placed back when the season started, I think that the passes between Hall and Pasternak when they switch on the power play or anything like that, or even on that line, even strength, which would be awesome. More even strength, please. But to, for them to switch their positions and get those one time is get the goalie moving laterally. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I can't help wonder, though, if you knew you were going to put those two together, if you could have leveraged that to get David Krejci back for one more year. Maybe. I mean, yeah. there's a big maybe there because I, I truly think he was dead set. Dead set, 100%. I'm not coming back. I mean, maybe not 100% dead set. but oh, he was definitely above 90%, though. But the fact 90%, that he-, he was like, I'm going back home. I got to play for, you know, my family and my friends over there while I still have – you know, a good amount of juice left in me. I want them to see me playing hockey at my best and not when I'm 40 years old, you know, trying to chug along out there. Yeah. Every retired player wants to be a freaking beer league hero when they go home. Cause that's, I mean, that's pretty much what I'm thinking about. I mean, it's not, it's not easy hockey. I'm not saying that, but let's be serious. Now the comparables are way different than, than the NHL. You know, he's just, he's down a level and eating it all up. And I love it. That's, this is how Yarmir Yager is getting longevity at, at like 49, 50 over there. But yeah. he has to play to keep his freaking franchise alive. Yeah. And yeah. Mark, you're probably like a, like a Malcolm Subban over there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look at the grace. My timing's been off for years. I mean, <laughs> and I'm still doing okay. But Mark overseas, he's like a Malcolm Subban over there. You oh, know, that's. That's don't the put me, just don't put me in the KHL. My mouth will get me fucking killed. <laughs> I'm like, I want the gas. I want the gas, and I want money in paper bags. The, the, the Kremlin will kill me in a heartbeat. All right, where are we going now? Anybody got anything to talk about? Uh, we, uh... So here's a, a another topic that I'll throw out there. How do you guys thoughts on Nick Foligno so far? Right, he was supposed to be kind of that veteran presence coming in, and he's played kind of that third, fourth line role so far this year, but he just keeps getting injured. Like, it's just – it's one thing after another. And I don't know if it's him trying to be the tough guy and, oh, yeah, like, I'm good to come back. Or it's just that's how kind of old he is. That's – his body's just not able to recover now. So, I, I I don't know what you sort of do with him for the rest of the year when he comes back healthy. That's true. I mean, for me, I would look internally. Um, I wouldn't address his, his need right now. I think that we need um, a defenseman. And if we can get a forward, uh, great. You know, I, I don't I don't know if we're going to get both. Um, uh, Felino's addition addressed certain needs because they know they can play a gritty style of game. The Boston Bruins have been missing that. I'm starting to get more and more bought into we need some bigger players. You know, and this, this kills me. It dry, I mean, it comes from like Billy Jaffe and, and Andrew Raycroft in the morning brew. They're talking about it today. That to have the playoff style, you need to have that gritty style. We see, we saw it with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and how they just brought in certain players uh, that you know uh, I don't remember his name because he's a dink. Um, yeah, him and Marshan go. Oh, Maroon, Patrick Maroon, Patrick Maroon. Oh, you know they get those type of players at low money and just and it, and it works. I mean, 
is that something that we need to do too? But I also don't want to get players that are just straight up fighters and so on. I want a player that's going to play 13, 14 minutes and, and contribute offensively. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it just makes sense to have that type of lineup and that, that type of depth through all four lines to go into a playoff series. And, And if you can add that extra grit, which I think that, the Boston Bruins thought that a player like Nick Foligno could do healthy. I think that that's what the thing that they were trying to do, but uh, it's, it was so risky after his injury in Toronto and so on that you sign him for a longer term than I would have expected, you mm-hmm. know, and to see how he produces. And, you know, I thought he's done okay. He adds that veteran leadership and so on. He puts some jam into the game, but he just can't stay healthy. And that's unfortunate. Do we question the Folino signing as much if we haven't seen what we've seen out of Oscar Steen, though? I'm 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 disappointed in the Folino signing right now. I mean, I think it's I, I think it would be dishonest to say that you're not. You know what I mean? It's because right now it's you look at it. He's making almost four million dollars on the cap. I believe it's what three point six or so. Three point eight. Yeah. Three point eight. Yeah. So three point eight million dollars uh, for the next two years. He can't stay on the ice. And he, it's not like when he's on the ice, he's doing things that is making you lose. So that's not really a concern for me. But he's not really helping you much either when he's on the ice because he's not producing or anything really. So it's a really tough situation for the Bruins. If he does come back healthy, obviously you, I mean, you don't want to sit three point eight million dollars on the bench. You don't want to do that. So for me. I mean, if he's healthy and playing, I'm putting him on that fourth line with no second Lazar, and I'm allowing you know that to happen. But once DeBrusque is gone, if he's gone, but we're going to assume that he is, I think you're going to have to bring in another bottom six piece to go along with that Coil and Steen line. Um, you know, hopefully, like you know, to allude to a little bit what Mark was saying, hopefully someone who's got a little bit of size, but he can still contribute offensively um Lawson Krause unfortunately not but you know a guy like that would be perfect absolutely perfect one thing that I was when with this signing and not so much the Hall signing and not so much the um the Nosek signing because I thought that both of those were pretty on par for the type of players that the Bruins were looking for a little lower in the cap space than Felino. Um, and a little, you know, either a year or two year deal and so on, which was good because you could quickly transition out of those uh, roster spots if, if needed. But the one thing with, with the uh, Felino thing was um, they constantly kind of, and I'm going to say it, they cock block the prospects from coming down uh, from up in mm-hmm. Providence. And I think that if they didn't sign Felino, you're right. Oscar Steen would have had a better shot at camp to really prove himself and so on. I'm not saying that he didn't put in 100% or 110% effort at camp to show that he belongs on the team because obviously they had high regards and he's there now. Uh, but to have him there earlier, you know, to have these prospects there earlier, they do this all the time with these like uh, veteran players, they the Boston Bruins are notorious for bringing in the Brett Richies, the this and that, and the you know it's just stop. Have more faith in your depth. You got these guys for a reason. You sign them for two year, um, uh, you know, two way deals all the time. Give them a freaking opportunity. Just with that, yeah, just with that one signing, uh, that Felino signing. If you didn't make that move, 
Um, and of course, if DeBrusque is moved out, you could be looking at something like a, um, a Studnika in the middle of like a Hala in, in a Steen to start the year, say, you know, DeBrusque mm-hmm. was traded, um, you know, early. Cause there was talks about him being traded before the season even started. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when they, the second they signed Nick Felino, I remember a lot of us, um, you know, were looking around at each other, like, does this mean DeBrusque is gone? Because you, you where were you, you didn't know where you were going to really slot him at that point. Um, so a lot of us thought, yeah, he's gone because we thought either Krejci was coming back. That was before we didn't even know that Krejci was coming back. Like, they, but you're right. Felino and Halla and guys like that, you know, it, they definitely block people because I think Studnika would have had a shot to at, at center on the third line to, you know, see what he can do with that natural position. Steen, he could have been playing from the beginning of the year, but – you know, I, I got no gripes. I, I like what Hall is doing. Fantastic signing. He's making under $3 million per year for the next two years, this year and next year. Um, and he is giving you Vegas Halla on that second line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone said to me today, you know, I, you're not going to be able to win a Stanley Cup with Halla as your second line center. Says who? Mm. Says who? If he's got Hall and Pasternak on his wings, uh, yeah. Exactly. I know. When you compliment a line like they're doing right now, yeah, it's a possibility. I hate to say it. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins won two Stanley Cups in a row with pu- with plug-and-play middle six players yep. mm-hmm. to go along with their Gensel and their Crosby and their and their Malkin. You know, stuff like, like, like Rust, you know. Who ever heard of Rust being a top six guy? Connor Sherry. <laughs> Connor Sherry. Yeah. You know, it's Good like one. you look at that stuff and you just say, like, Pittsburgh, like, Dayton Heinen. Let's go to that one. Dayton <laughs> Heinen. What the hell? Like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like. So we now you've got Chris Smith doing things that he didn't really do much of in, um, in uh, Nashville. You know, as far as the amount of points he's able to kind of accrue playing on a top line or in that second, you know, that second um, line role. When you have four first line players, you, you're not going out there looking for two more top six guys to, to round it out. It doesn't work that way. We, we have a cap. You got to find plug and play. You got to find pieces that are going to fit. And Hollow is fitting. Smith fits. Leave it be. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anything else before we wrap this up? We got about ten more minutes, and we can go. Or is this uh, this good for everybody? For for me, you know, just seeing what someone like Steen has done with his opportunity. um, You know, even Swayman with the opportunity he was given. You know, we we talked about that at length before. You know, what are we missing with a guy like Stadnika or? You know, if someone like Sinitian was given a shot to not be blocked and, you know, I know people talk about it with Vakanin and how he sometimes might overstep something in the American Hockey League just because he's not used to it being that slow or something like that, that, you know, are we missing something in one of these guys simply because that opportunity wasn't there for them to take it and run with it? I mean, you know, last year, you know, Lauco seemed to be the, the flavor of the month for a little while. You know, Cameron Hughes has had some good moments. Like, we waived Chris Wagner for a reason, to open up something on the right spot. 
if you don't sign a guy like Felino, you also got another almost four million bucks to work with. Exactly. And I actually thought that this was going to be freaking Sadnika's year because it is his technically the last year of his entry level contract. And I thought this was going to be his evaluation time at the NHL, but yeah, apparently the, the Boston Bruins didn't see enough of him uh, in his time in the American Hockey League and the taxi squad or the 20 some odd games that he got into last year. It was just, I don't know. It just, it's weird how the Bruins work sometimes, but you know, I, I can't freak out over what they do because I don't have any control over it. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm more or less a person that just says, okay, I want to see how you recover now. Yeah. I want to see the right. play. I want to see how you put this piece, the, all the pieces back together, whether you would call it a rebuild or a retool. That's the type of shit I love to see. It, but I also am a fan deep down inside that's passionate and want to see him win too, you know, but you know, I just, I, I, I'm a patient man. You're not going to convince me that you couldn't have gotten the same seven points in 26 games that you've gotten out of Felino that you could not have gotten that out of Jack Stadnicka, who's gotten 1.5 games. Valid. And mm-hmm. the time on ice differentials. Only that right there minutes. earned you another shot at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast next time. <laughs> <laughs> you could have got that out of Kuhlman. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> now you got Kuhlman and you've got Ryan Donato, you know, spicing it up up there in Seattle. And Lazon. Ryan Donato. Yeah, and Lazon. That's right. Score that's right. In <laughs> And I can't believe the still that I called that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Started yeah. off as a joke, but we got to find that tweet, Mark, and just put it in a frame for him. So put it right? this camera. Dude, right? an hour before the dude scores the goal, I'm just like, who's scoring the first goal for the Seattle Kraken? Is it Ryan Donato or is it Ryan Donato? And boom, <laughs> it's Ryan Donato. You're correct. Talk about a lot of by the way that that went under the radar. Jeremy Lozon. It'd be nice to have still have him around on that left side right now. Just throwing that out there. Has depth, yeah. Yeah, I I, I was a big Lazon fan. I loved, loved his game at Ruin Noranda and what he brought down to the Providence Bruins. It wasn't always pretty, but it, it's almost like the Euro Vakanian kind of situation that, you know, you listen to people like me and Mark Diver and, and other, pe- other people that cover the team. It's like, yeah, he was playing decent in the American Hockey League, but he almost played himself out of it when he had his opportunity to play at the NHL level, you know, and that's the same thing with Lausanne. I think that Lausanne had that opportunity and really excelled at it. But in his time with the American Hockey League and working with Jay Leach, uh, who was tre- who is tremendously missed, uh, you know, I love Ryan Mujanel. He's a great coach and so on. But Leach, he was such a great freaking guy to work with and, 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 and interview and so on and very just a very calm person. I like that. It's not like you're you're going into the locker room or outside the locker room talking to like a Mike Keenan or anything like that. Yeah. You, you know you're going to be like, you know, sweating a little bit like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a dink, you know? <laughs> no, I was going to say just like kind of like like playing for like John Tortorella. Like I, I couldn't imagine mm. playing for that guy. Every time you walk yeah. in the locker room, you feel like you're going to get yelled at or something like that. But uh, Chris, kind of going off like what you said, right? Like with these younger guys coming into the lineup and – like why sign like a Felino when you can let Stanika play? Because Stanika has that prove it attitude, like Steen, like Bleed, like back in nine and like Zabor, right? They all want to make a, a spot in the NHL lineup. So they're gonna bring every time they play, they're gonna have a little bit of nastiness to them because they wanna stay, they wanna play another game. I'm not saying that the guys that are like Felino says, Oh yeah, I'm already on the NHL roster, I'm gonna take it easy. No, he's probably putting a hundred percent effort every game. 
But Steen's going to bring that extra oomph. He's going to finish every check. He's going to drive the net every single time because he knows that he only has a few shifts a game to prove it to Cassie and the coaching staff that he wants to stay here. So I think that's why I love bringing up the young guys because they will do all the little things right. They might not look pretty doing it or they might not produce, but they'll put in the effort 100% of the time. Well, and, and we saw it last year when we when they went all youth in the, on the defense. You saw Zborrell and Lausanne and, and guys like that get thrown in there. Last year, Jeremy Lausanne averaged over 18 minutes of ice time for this team over his 41 games. Mm-hmm. They went young on their defense to see what they had. Now, you couldn't do anything about Seattle taking somebody, but you're talking about someone who last year 41 games, this year so far 34 games, over – 17 minutes of ice time every game. That's what you want from a top four guy right now. That's what you need is a top four guy. So, you know, you, you lost, um, what's his name there to the Vegas, uh, Riley Smith. I think it was no, to, Colin no, Miller, Colin Miller. That's what it was on defense. That, that's the name I was looking for. You lost one defenseman to an expansion draft already. You just set yourself up to lose another one. This time a top four. My, my my only issue with Lozon though was before his injury he was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed watching him and McAvoy as a pairing, but then when he came back, that's when you were introduced to the Grizzlick McAvoy pairing because Lozon was not getting it done up there. Um, and that's not to you know, and that's not me knocking him. You know, he comes back from an injury; he it's just not really working for him. And in, in, in Seattle, from what I kind of have figured out is that he's not, you know, incredible or anything like that. He's not like what he was before his injury. Um, so I wonder if that injury kind of derailed him a bit. No, but I'd rather have him at his money than Mike Riley at $3 million. Yeah, well <laughs> said there. Even, oh, even yeah. if it's my third pairing. I also would have rather have known that Zaboral and Vakanina were going to be like, hey, what's up? I'm here. You know, right. before well, yeah, then you don't sign Forbert. Yeah, yeah. or Zaboral getting hurt. Yeah, I Zaboral mean, getting hurt threw everything off. Wishes and what ifs, and you know, all the Stud Nika talk has me thinking. Isn't Stud What is Stud Nika away right now? We looked it up, Chris. Wasn't it like one ninety something? I want to yeah. say one eighty five. One eighty five is what he weighs right now. I, okay. I, I, I just, all I'm saying is saying because 185, I, according to hockey reference, he's at 185. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 171. He's 6'1, 171. Oh, okay, never mind. 171. Wow. All we heard all off season was, oh, 15 pounds, baby. <laughs> what the hell did he weigh before that? Oh, yeah, what, you... <laughs> what the hell? Well, listen, I, I do have to say, as a person that watches every American Hockey League Providence Bruins game and covers them when they're at the uh, the home rink, that he does have some aggressiveness to him and can throw that body around. Um, and he's def- definitely kind of uh, lethal when you when he um, is on the ice and sees liberties being taken. Uh, he will not he's not afraid to go into a pile, pull somebody out and throw them on the ice it's it's kind of weird how his his mechanics work because you see his his weight and you don't expect that you know at this point right now being the last year of his elc what do you do with him? i mean hopefully you can get him on like a on that new trent frederick kind of deal where it's about a million bucks for a couple seasons just to see what i mean 
you know, look at where Trent Frederick is now. If he wasn't hurt, he's probably your third line left winger. And you are looking actively to ship out DeBrusque just because he's requested that trade. And you run with Marshan Hall, um, you know, bleed on the fourth line and Frederick on the third line or vice versa. You could do it either way. Really, they're versatile enough with Felino who can plug and play anywhere in the bottom six. I'm, I'm packaging stud Nika because before he his worth is nothing. I mean, it already is. I'm doing. I wouldn't say it's nothing yet. No, but it's not nothing a lot from what it was. It, exactly, it's fallen, and before it becomes nothing, I, I'm looking to package him for for help this year. Because if you can package, if you can give up a guy like Studnika, and let's go to one of one of the guys that Mark has brought up a few times, Vince Dunn out of um, out of Seattle. I don't see you needing to give up a first round pick for a guy like that. If you can add a guy like Studnika in there, um, and maybe another. You know, not like crazy prospect or anything like that, but you know, another prospect or something like that. You might be able to get away with a third, a Stunika, and maybe like a a Brady Lyle or something like that, and grab a guy like Vince Dunn out of Seattle, and then you're not giving up a second or first round pick at that point. I mean, obviously, I have no idea if that's going to happen or not, but I mean, I can see that being feasible. Jay Um, Leach would love you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you're bringing it you're bringing the whole providence ruins team over to him basically there you go leachy you can have him but i no, do he, love vince dunn i i do love his style of play to your point though that that kind of price tag you know stadnika rfa rights you know reasonable rights not the debrusque rights that we're talking they're not the same <laughs> it, it's no. not the same kind of arbitration no. rights there no. um i mean you could even probably throw in a guy like anton bleed who's played well as a fourth line guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent who they could look to resign who's proven to be an nhl talent or you know maybe not bleed maybe curtis lazar you know he's played well enough yep. he's still young enough yeah. And he's got some trade value. And then maybe someone who's signed for a little bit like a Connor Clifton depth player who brings a little bit of experience and depth and quality play for cheap money for a couple years. Right. I, I got a few more minutes to talk about this right here. Imagine if you could swing a Dunn and McCann um, oh. deal all in one. That's that. You know what you do is you add, you add, all I can think of is grit. You add grit on the defense with Dunn because he can throw his body around. But he can also move the puck very well too. But McCann, I I I've seen a couple um, games when he's involved, and he can he can be that type of player. He he does remind me of Lawson Krause. So here's a question for you on that, Kevin. Because looking at both McCann and Dunn, they're both 25. Under uh, Dunn is at four million for two years, and then an RFA. McCann is at two point nine, and then it is an RFA after this year. So you're looking at probably giving up four pieces. Would you rather get those two if it was the same price as getting one Jacob Chitrin? That's exactly where I was going to lead it into. Absolutely, you got two players out of that deal who are both 25 years old. Vince Dunn can be a, a top four guy for you that you can plug next to a Charlie McAvoy who is going to make anyone better. And then you have a guy in McCann who is 25 years old, play center, um, and can help you up the middle for the foreseeable future because you don't have a plan after Bergeron. Not saying he's going to be a Bergeron or a first-line center, but he helps soften the cushion uh, you know, of what could come. 
Um, and it's going to be cheaper. I think you can get away with a, a package like that without giving up a first round pick. I truly do. I don't think you'd have to give up a first round pick, but if you did, I'd also still feel comfortable giving up a first round pick to get those two young players. See if they'll throw Dreiger in the deal since you're giving up Swayman and now you're you got- getting <laughs> extremely greedy here, sir. <laughs> well, no, you'd have to add to it, but you know, we we just got to have somebody else who we can blame other than Rask, Allmark, and Swayman. <laughs> right. You're, what you're, do you think? Rid of one of them, so you got to bring somebody else in. What do you think the package though would be for those two guys? What What do you guys think? I think it'd be close to what the Chitrin deal would be. Mm-hmm. That's that first round pick that that's going to kill me right there. I just I hate giving that away. I don't know why we don't see more conditional picks dealt. Like, yeah, I, I would comfortably say here's a fir- here's a first round pick if certain conditions are met. Yeah, if we go to the Stanley Cup, then and if you just it make is what it is. final, then then yeah, you give up that. Yeah. You're telling me you wouldn't give up a first round pick just to know that you're in the Cup final. Yeah, I know. I, I ugh, Jesus. I mean, yeah, you're so, putting my mind in a pretzel, Chris. So, <laughs> you might so get, earlier today there was only out. one. Earlier today, there was only one deal that I'm making a first round pick for, and that was the Chitron deal. Now there's two. It's, it's a gun <laughs> and a playing combo. That's two 25 year old kids that you can bring in for one single first round pick. That you See what we do here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, people. We freaking change minds all the time. <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> all right. All right, boys, you guys uh, gave me a seven o'clock limit. So we're going to end this right here. I do want to say thank you very much. Uh, to all the whole panel, uh, you guys were amazing. I had a lot of fun, and I really, really hope we do this more often. Uh, we do have to get a nice little rotation of these of these things going because they're a lot of fun. And even if uh, Heather can't be with us, um, we could do these uh, sometime else during the week. I know she's got a Tuesday's free schedule, so I like to work with her on Tuesdays. But if anybody's available any time of the time, they want to do like a Facebook Live and we can add to the podcast and all the all the platforms that we do. That'd be fantastic. But uh, Kevin O'Keefe, please uh, mention your um, Twitter handle and uh, uh, talk about the podcast. You can find me at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Um, I am one half of the Beehive podcast here on the Black and Gold Network, and I am also one half of the What's Brewing uh, live podcast that is with JDF Sports and um, check them both out. Hella fun. Awesome. Cam Holt from the Holt's on Hockey podcast and part of the podcast network over here at BNG. Go ahead, Cam. Yeah, you can find uh, find me at Holt's on Hockey on Twitter. And obviously, uh, my two other hosts are the two twins. I'm their cousin. So, uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. And, and definitely, I'm just trying to be more active on Twitter and just be social with all the fans. Uh, and I'm really hoping that I can do this more. This was an awesome first-time experience uh, being on the roundtable. I, I just got switched. I was working 4 to midnight. Now I'm working 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. So I'm hoping to hoping to do this a lot more often with you guys. It was a great experience. Awesome. And, and Chris Nosek, JDF Sports. Yes, you can find me with Kevin on Monday nights live uh, on What's Brewing on JDF Sports on all social media platforms. I am also the co-host of Puck Off on Wednesday nights, also on JDS Sports. My co-host, Dylan James, for that one as well. That one is not Bruin-centric. Uh, we discuss every team across the whole league. Dylan himself, being a Nashville fan, was very familiar with a guy like Craig Smith that uh, Kevin was talking about earlier. So definitely uh, some great shows there. They're both live as well. And uh, yeah, always a fun time when you roll those comments in. 
Yeah, and, and JDS Sports does uh, a Facebook Live with uh, with Kevin and uh, Chris, and, and that's called the What's Brewing, as Kevin, as uh, Chris mentioned. But uh, it's at 9 o'clock, so please tune into that. Again, thank you very much, guys. I truly appreciate it, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, and that is the podcast for this week. Episode 263 is in the books. I do want to thank Kevin O'Keefe, Cam Hulk, and Chris Nosek for, for joining us. Also want to thank betonline.ag for being our sponsor. They're always the best. And to thank all the listeners. You guys are absolutely amazing. Yeah, you do a tremendous uh, amount of service for us and our podcast. So um, hopefully get back to uh, normal times next Tuesday and record with Heather Ingerson. Um, That's the plan as of right now. But uh, enjoy the hockey. Uh, Dallas Stars are tonight. You know, February is just right, right around the corner. So um, we'll be talking about those games uh, coming up next week. So with that being said, have a great week. Peace out. Be safe. And go bees. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to black and gold hockey blog at gmail.com and by following the show on twitter at black and gold pod peace out